From ABC, this is The Popcorn with Peter Travers Podcast. I'm Peter Travers, and this is a show featuring the world's biggest stars and top filmmakers. They drop by our studio to talk about their latest projects and their lives. And today, our topic is going to be the best political movies out there, the stuff you want to watch before Election Day. So here we go. Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Travers, and welcome to Popcorn, where this time we're going to have a special show on political movies. Why, you're wondering. I think there's an election happening on there, and it's out there. Hillary, Trump, and everything else is out there. It makes you want to see if Hollywood ever got it right when they were doing this. Could they have ever predicted anything like what we're living, which is, well, it's huge. It's going to be huge. Anyway, I'm going to start with the serious political movies, and I'm going to go count down from them. And the first one I'm going to pick is Citizen Kane. And you're saying to me, Citizen Kane, he wasn't the president. Nobody wanted to be. And the great thing about this movie, besides it being maybe the best American movie ever, is that when Citizen Kane lost the election for governor, and because he owned the newspapers, what did he put out there in headlines? It said, fraud at the polls. How could any movie have predicted Donald Trump as much as this? Kane said the election was rigged. Oh, my God. Watching that again, you're going to see a demagogue like you've never seen it before. All right. Chinatown. People say Chinatown. Wasn't that Jack Nicholson being a detective? And that Yes. But Chinatown was made right after Watergate. And it was a Watergate movie. It was about paranoia, about everybody being crooked. And... The end of Chinatown is so classic that Robert Town wrote it that way, where Jack Nicholson wants to fight. He just wants to get all these corrupt people out of office. The cops are corrupt. And his friend comes up to him and says, you cannot fight City Hall. That one still gets me. Then a classic, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. This is Jimmy Stewart at his best, an honest politician crazed by a corrupt system does a filibuster at the end where he just talks and talks and talks until he thinks he can talk people or politicians to not being corrupt. Of course, he, it doesn't work. But he was, Mr. Smith, was really a politician who wasn't corrupt. Then there's a movie called Frost Nixon. This is just the story about David Frost, played by Michael Sheen, interviewing Richard Nixon, played by Frank Langella. Ron Howard directed it. But every kind of paranoia comes out in Nixon during these interviews about <clears throat> Watergate, about everything he did in his life that he wanted to turn around and make okay, and he just couldn't do it. Amazing movie. Another one, Manchurian Candidate. Manchurian Candidate is about a guy who is captured by North Korea. He's a soldier, and they brainwash him, and he comes back and winds up trying to help his corrupt mother, played by Angela Lansbury, get her idiot husband elected to office. What I think is so topical about this today is that that mother is in league with a foreign power. Every time we hear the debates, Hillary Clinton is saying, Trump loves Putin. Putin, they're in league together. And he's saying, I don't know Putin. I don't know it. This is a movie in which you see how Foreign powers can influence uh, our American elections. Again, really topical. 
Then there's Lincoln. Daniel Day-Lewis wins the Academy Award for playing Abraham Lincoln, directed by Steven Spielberg. And again, going to this election, where Hillary Clinton quoted Lincoln when she said, sometimes we believe things in private that we don't announce publicly because we're pushing an agenda. This is all over that movie. All right, then we have Primary Colors. Primary Colors is the movie that Joe Klein wrote as a book, and he called himself anonymous because he didn't want to say the characters um, were Bill and Hillary Clinton, but of course we know they are, and in the movie they're played by John Travolta and Emma Thompson. And what we're seeing is in Joe Klein, a guy that wrote speeches for Clinton, an inside look about what it was like to be around this couple when they were on their trajectory to power. Still an eye-opener. Then there's a movie called The Contender, starring Joan Allen, who is now wanting to be the president's nominee for vice president when the vice president drops out, and she has to go to the Senate, who have to advise and consent on that nomination. And we see in that movie what a woman has to face as opposed to what men have to do and how everything is dragged up together. Still topical, still really, really good. Then we have a movie called Fahrenheit 9-11. This is Michael Moore. This is a documentary in which Michael Moore did his best. This was him saying, look at what we're doing with guns. Look at how lobbies control politics. Look what the Bushes have been doing. Look at how corrupt they are. Whether you agree or disagree, this is a movie that has a fire in its belly. I mean, to watch it even now, these issues are still so topical. And then I was kind of at a tie for the best one of the dramas that were here, and they're both with Robert Redford. One is called The Candidate, where he plays a guy running for the Senate who thinks he's going to lose and who thinks he can tell the truth now. He can just say whatever he wants and finds himself elected and doesn't know what to do. There's no room in politics for someone who tells the truth. And then the ultimate political drama, All the President's Men, the movie that made us feel that we couldn't really get past the corruption of what was going on in the Nixon administration, but made heroes of two journalists, of uh, Woodward and Bernstein, played by Redford and Dustin Hoffman. These guys were going to come in and expose what was happening, expose what was behind Watergate, and made us believe in journalism. Maybe you don't feel that way today. I don't know. It's hard for that to happen. But all the president's men will never go out of style. It's the perfect thing to watch. I have to give uh, credit uh, to TV, too. It can't just be movies that are doing this. TV has done wonderful work with political movies. The West Wing... Still, you mention it, everybody knows what you're talking about. Whenever I run into Martin Sheen, I still call him Mr. President because that's who he was from watching that for so many years. You saw the ins and outs of what it was like in the White House, uh, written by Aaron Sorkin, just perfectly done. Now there's a current one called The Americans, and The Americans is, I think, showing Russian spies trying to basically live as Americans and bring down the system from within. They don't have to try very hard. We're basically doing it ourselves. Then there were two HBO movies I give that things. One is called Game Change, which uh, Julianne Moore played Sarah Palin for the ages. I mean, you want to remember what happened? 
that Sarah Palin that this close to the presidency? <sighs> Scarier than what we're going through now. And then another one called Recount, which was about what happened when Al Gore lost to Bush. And they wanted a recount. We were doing those chads. We were doing everything. There's a lot of people out there and a little bit in me that thinks that election got stolen. That election was rigged. Number two is House of Cards. House of Cards, which we still watch because it's like the president and first lady as Lady Macbeth and Macbeth. This is Robin Wright and Kevin Spacey showing us what can happen if we bring corruption into the White House. Let it sit there and let it just turn toxic in the world. We laugh, but the laugh sticks in our throat. And then number one, it's got to be Veep. I mean, come on, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. How much fun can she be? She doesn't know what she's doing, and she becomes the vice president, and then for a minute she becomes the president. She has no idea, no clue what it is. But underneath the laughter in that series is a sense of what a precipice we are politically. We're just sitting on that edge ready to be toppled over. So TV, I give you credit. To me, political movies work the best when they're satirical, when the people that make them can laugh at the horrors that we're seeing. The one I remember, even though it's at the end of my list and you don't think of it as political, is basically Duck Soup, which is the Marx Brothers. The Marx Brothers couldn't be better. This is them at their absolute peak where they're trying, Groucho's trying to create a war between Fredonia and Sylvania, between two countries that don't want to be at war because it will help get him elected. It, it's, it's just perfect. I don't care how old it is, it's great. Then there's The Great Dictator. This is Charlie Chaplin's first sound movie, released in 1940. This is before the war begins. And this is Chaplin doing his take on Hitler, playing two parts, playing a Jewish barber and then Hitler. And at the end, he gives in this first sound movie, I think the best political speech in cinema history where the barber gets up there as Hitler and talks about what a well-run political campaign would be and what people's values should be. Well, it's a knockout. Then there's Dave, Kevin Klein basically playing a guy who looks like the president and they're trying to hide the president and his illness and maybe death and they put this fake out there who begins to look at politics as an imposter and then says maybe I can make a change in something. Uh, there's a lot of this kind of movie. Bob Roberts was Tim Robbins playing a right-wing candidate and a folk singer saying the most rabid, horribly bigoted stuff within folk songs and getting his point across that way. The sad thing, as Tim Robbins once told me, is a lot of people love Bob Roberts, as crazy as he was. Warren Beatty did this with a movie called Bullworth. He makes a movie about a guy who's running for re-election to the Senate and who says, I don't care, so I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to deal with the black community. I'm going to have them on my side. I'm going to show that I stand for the black community and says if I lose, at least I said something that was out there. Just as topical as it was 10 years ago. A, per a personal favorite of mine is called Team America World Police. It's animated, it's from those South Park guys. Uh, and 
what we're seeing is America at war, but what we're satirizing is celebrity, all trying to get on the bandwagon. This is just as anti-Democrat as it's anti-Republican. Everybody rolls over the coals. Puppets have sex. But at the same time, it reflects through this dark mirror a crazy America fascination with celebrity. Look, one of our candidates was the host of Celebrity Apprentice. These guys are prophets. Then I have a movie called Wag the Dog, which is written by David Mamet and stars Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman, where basically Dustin Hoffman is a movie producer who gets hired in a presidential campaign to distract from a big sex scandal by declaring war on some country nobody's ever heard of because it will drive the sex scandal off the headlines. This movie just wrote itself. This is what we live with constantly. How can we distract from something? It's like Hillary when they say, you know, what about those emails? Uh, didn't you say this? Didn't you take money for this? And, they, and she looks around and says, let's talk about something else. This is the best political movie about talking about something else. Then number three is In the Loop. In the Loop was created by Armando Iannucci, who is the guy behind Veep. And again, it's just America and Great Britain deciding to come together to declare war on somebody. It's the most foul mouth, oh my God, to watch this. James Gandolfini is in it as a general. You look at it and you laugh and you say, this is what I'm living with every day. Okay, number two. This one's called Election, Alexander Payne. It's about a high school election. Reese Witherspoon is playing a character that to me is immortal. Uh, she's Tracy Flick, and she wants to be the president of her high school class. But what she is is Nixon. <laughs> and she uses every trick, whether it's cupcakes. Every time I see Reese Witherspoon, I always say, this is the greatest thing you've ever done. And the last time I said that to her, she said, you're not wrong. It's that kind of movie, a high school movie that says more about politics than anything that's right there in the White House. Okay, number one. It's a comedy, but to me it's the number one political movie of all time, right up there with all the president's men. And it is called Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Stanley Kubrick, when he directed this, he started it as a drama. He turned it into a comedy. He tried to fool the cast. Peter Sellers plays not only the Nazi in the wheelchair, but the president of the United States. He's playing multiple parts to do this. But the key thing in this, and we all remember it, it's all in the war room. It's all in the sense generals arguing with politicians. Who is going to tell us what to do? The president is ineffectual. The Nazi in the wheelchair is going to, is going to create the bombs. But this is the movie that says, who can we trust with the nuclear cult? Who can we trust with them? And the end of Dr. Strangelove, which will stay with me always, it's very odd. Slim Pickens, he's the cowboy actor, and Kubrick hired him after he begged John Wayne to play this guy. He begged him to play Major Kong, who would sit on the bomb as it was being dropped and go, woohoo, and just throw his hat in the air. And while they played a kind of sweet song called We'll Meet Again, Don't Know Where, Don't Know When, while the world explodes. John Wayne should have done that. It turns out he never even answered Kubrick. He hated this so much. 
which shows there's a real energy in this one. There will never be, I'm predicting, any political movie that gets to the heart of what we're in right now than Dr. Strange. Okay, that wraps up another edition of the Popcorn with Peter Travers podcast. If you liked it, be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can also find Popcorn on Twitter and Facebook at Popcorn ABC News. I also want to thank the people who helped produce this podcast. Angela Williams, Brian Fudge, Josh Cohen, David Fazekas, David Miller, Michael Rothman, Alexa Valiente, and the head of ABC News Digital, Dan Silver. I'll talk to you next Friday.